There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. Over the North Atlantic, toward the east coast of the United States. The United States is, as the dominant empire, is connected to all the other countries. The the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. There are two different uh, versions of that theory. Uh, one is that the government had some information. This week on Inside Jobs, Brian, Gene, and Lee investigate the Aaron Burr Conspiracy. Vice President Aaron Burr shot former Secretary of the Treasury Alexander Hamilton on July 11, 1804, in a duel over scandalous statements Hamilton refused to withdraw. Though charged in both New York and New Jersey for murder, Burr was never brought to trial. Burr finished his term as Vice President peacefully, although his career in politics was almost universally seen as over. However, Burr had plans outside the realm of democratic politics and began traveling through southern and western territories of what are now Tennessee, Louisiana, Texas, and Kentucky. He spent his time making military connections, spending heavily, and, if recopied letters and hearsay are to be believed, plotting a war against Spain and secession of the western territories from the Union. Although a subsequent treason trial acquitted Burr, questions remain about his intentions and plans. Did Burr plan to create his own country, where he could legally marry his daughter Theodosia? Did Burr hope to assassinate Thomas Jefferson for being a huge prick? Will your podcast host be able to pronounce Burr's name through mouths full of peanut butter, or is no milk available? Joining me to investigate the Aaron Burr conspiracy are civilian investigator Gene Frankincense O'Neill. Gentlemen. And conspiracy expert Lee Golden. Greetings, gentlemen. Welcome to Inside Jobs. All right, guys, I'm just, I have to say this right off the bat. I just did a business trip to Germany that that was very short, and I'm still very, very jet-lagged. So I'm not at the top of my game, and hopefully we're going to be able to get through this episode. Well, that's okay, Brian, because you are rarely at the top of your game. So Lee and I are more than ready to car- <laughs> to basically carry your dead weight. Yeah, you guys are used to uh, filling in the holes. Yeah, let us know when you are at the top of your game, if you even have a game to be at the top of. Yeah, Brian, let me remind you of a little business trip to Germany taken by us, known as World War II, and we didn't piss out on our way back. We had the 50s, Yeah, okay? we came. <laughs> we, yeah, we came back and only uh, launched 80% of the world's production. Yeah. That was yeah. a great business trip. Yeah, we didn't say we were too tired from war. We basically rocked the world economy. Yeah, and we continue to do so to this day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I really need to take a look at the the history of that period. I'm not really aware of it, um, and and just really figure out how to, uh, it, uh, you know, copy the resolve that you, the United States had. As it is, I flew for 12 hours yesterday, 
and I didn't really sleep that much. So we'll see. Good in, we'll see. Good in flight movie. Uh, it was. It's actually British Airways, which has really good. Uh, like they so just like have a British a, movie. No, uh, they have a ton of movies that you can choose from whenever you want. So Ugh, I watched all British probably. Uh, yeah, they all have Hugh Grant. <laughs> I or Cary Grant. I rewatched The Master. <laughs> the Page Master? The Master, the Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, right. Uh, great, it's okay. great film. It's it's okay. I feel like I'm still disappointed. I, I didn't love it when it came out, and mm. I didn't love it this time. I mean, to be fair, you have to be like pretty, really smart to get it. <laughs> So, right. oh, is, oh, is so, that it? Yeah. So, I, I was gonna, I was gonna tell you ahead of time, don't bother seeing it. But you know, you watched it, and predictably, you didn't really get it. So, no big deal. Yeah, Brian. And while you were jet setting off to their fatherland, I was balls deep into the archives investigating this case, and uh, I had to take the freight elevator down to the 18th century or 19th century floor. And uh, you know what? There's nothing in there because all of his papers, all of Burr's papers, were lost at sea. Wow. That was a, that was a seamless segue by Lee, I just want to say. <laughs> yeah, so seamless then, segue is the new model of segue. I suggest everyone pick it up at your local personal conveyance store and take a spin. It's really great. Oh, man, the nearest personal conveyance store is all the way in Monrovia. How, oh, how really? am I going to get there? Uh, wait, there's a Monrovia in California? Yeah, do you guys have a Monrovia? No, the Monrovia is the capital of Liberia. Oh. Uh, it's well, also a convenience store, so. <laughs> it's also the capital of California. Oh. Yeah, yeah convenience store. It's a combination of a convenience store and a convenience store. So uh, <laughs> you can get everything self-serve. It's very easy to come again. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, so we're, today's episode is about the conspiracy of Aaron Burr, which, uh, it's kind of, uh, kind of a lesser known chapter in America's early history. I think a lot of people know about the Burr-Hamilton duel, but they right, don't really know. that overshadows know, the rest of his political life. Yeah, they don't really know all the other crazy shit he did, uh, in the, in subsequent years. Well, first so, of all, it's crazy. Fun. That he was vice president when he, like, shot a man in a duel, Alexander <laughs> Hamilton, of course. And that, like, he was, like, basically accused of murder, but, like, kind of just let him, you know, play out the rest of his term. And he was mm-hmm. succeeded by George Clinton as the next vice president. So, we Well, they wanted to bring, they wanted turned, to bring Funk back to the government. Right. Well, he turned Congress into the, uh, parliament Funkadelic in a attempted coup. Exactly. And that, that, there were many, uh, Coup attempts in the in that period. Uh, mm-hmm. George Clinton was the only successful one, though. Right. Um, but yeah, we should talk a little bit about Aaron Burr. Uh, mm-hmm. He was he was a, a lawyer um, and a revolutionary soldier. Revolutionary soldier. He was born in uh, New Jersey, <laughs> and his grandfather was actually uh, Jonathan Edwards, who was uh, uh, like a, a preacher who had uh, his. I'm so tired. His sermons had started the Great Awakening, which was a period of uh, re- religious revival in America. Really, uh, really got a lot of people, you know, filled with religious fervor. Um, 
but the religious Ber- political uh, roots of the United States can basically be traced back to Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. Um, right. And the movie Pi. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were looking for that 216-digit sequence that would unlock the code to allow them to, you know, leave Great Britain. Right. Um, yeah, so he, he kind of came from this sort of known stock. He uh, He went to law school. He was studying law but right in the middle of that the american revolution joined uh started and he he joined up he mm-hmm. served you know he served all over but probably the most interesting is that he was part of the ill-fated invasion of canada uh the united states uh knew that a lot of british operations were happening in canada and they were you know trying to turn the war around by attacking canada with our uh, top pop musicians <laughs> right yeah, they were they were you know they're exporting issues of Teen Beat <laughs> right. to Toronto we were to and Montreal. Celine Dion, and um, the the man that he was uh, with was Benedict Arnold, of course, famous turncoat. Right, and he uh, so Burr per, Burr was serving under Arnold when Arnold was wounded, and the entire thing was a disaster. Uh, and so Burr served in the war. He went back to New York. You know, got, got his legal degree, became a trial lawyer, but he also started investing heavily around New York City, and uh, so he kind of ran the the utilities in New York City, and running all of this allowed him to get a lot of political power, and he basically started the first political machine in this country. Yeah, people uh, didn't really campaign at the time. Uh, if you were right. a public figure who was thought that you were right for public office, you would basically just say, hey, I think I'm the right person for this job. Vote for me if you agree. Um, and people would choose. It wasn't as shameless as going around and kissing babies and dyeing your face to go on to Univision. Um, and Burr was the first person who was actually like canvassing. He had delegates and people at his house as sort of a campaign headquarters. And this was new and considered sort of gauche in the political climate at that time in the, you know, sort of early days of the United States. Well, also, not that many people could vote back then anyway. So there really wasn't a point in campaigning. Exactly. Yeah. And they didn't know what gauche meant. Yeah. Only old yeah, white sp- guys could vote. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So he, you know, spent the, the post-revolution era kind of building up power for himself. He served as uh, attorney general of New York. He did a lot of cam- uh, campaigning for uh, other political candidates he served in albany as uh part of the state legislature and then uh coming up on the 1800 election he kind of got involved in this in this bargain with the jeffersonites so jefferson was the vice president of john adams and the way that elections worked in those days is that the electors would cast votes they would cast two votes they wouldn't specify which office they were voting for, but whoever got the most votes would become president, and whoever got the second most votes would become vice president. So Jefferson wanted to become president, and so they made a deal with Aaron Burr that he could put his name up to be vice president, but Burr would rally the New York uh, electors and help get uh, Jefferson elected president. So he did this, and uh, the election came around, and everybody voted, and it was a tie. It was a tie. It was a one-to-one tie. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Kevin Costner had to break it. 
<laughs> Only one state had an electoral college vote at the time. It was, it was right. pretty crazy. And when you think about like the vice president uh, being the person who gets second place in the race, I mean that that seems kind of crazy by today's standards. That would be like in my fellow Americans, if you know James Garner and Jack Lemon, their ticket had lost, then President Dan Aykroyd would have been reelected instead of Jack Lemon becoming vice president. Yeah, or exactly. like for you sports fans, it's like. If, uh, let's say, the Ravens win the Super Bowl, then the 49ers win Vice Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Because that doesn't exist. That's why it's as crazy as that. Wait, that's a or terrible if... analogy. That's actually how the Super Bowl works. <laughs> or if uh, in the Puppy Bowl, an Andalusian w- wins the Puppy Bowl, then uh, if, Dalmatian if Brian, will win the Vice on, pre- Puppy when Bowl. the Andalusians win the Puppy Bowl. They're heavily favored. <laughs> I'm going um, to a Puppy Bowl tomorrow. I'm, I'm taking Shrey's dog to a Puppy Bowl. Oh man, that sounds great. Oh man, are you guys yeah. tailgate? Um, probably. It's emphasis on the tail. Up top. <laughs> man, Lee. Man, Lee brought a guy just to high five him for all his jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a banger. He's sitting there just waiting. Oh man, banger. Reliable high fiver. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, I mean, it had happened in the election of John Adams where Adams was elected president and Jefferson, his bitter political rival, was right. uh, elected vice president. And actually, Adams only lasted one term because of a lot of kind of shady shit that went on. So Jefferson uh, organized his 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 forces to, to go after this uh, election. And when the tie happened, he was furious and so they started, you know, rumors started that were like, oh, well, Aaron Burr should just step down. Uh, Aaron Burr should take his name out. And Burr was offended by this because it basically implied that he was not worthy of the office of the presidency. And so he got pretty furious and he stated publicly that he would not withdraw his name. Uh, and, you know, when they eventually did uh, a vote where... Uh, certain mem- certain uh, electors were were convinced to change their vote. It, it it happened. Thomas Jefferson became president, and Aaron Burr became vice president. And because of this sort of bad feeling, Jefferson really sidelined Burr out of his out of his administration. Um, he wasn't. He didn't. There were even the Constitution didn't really spell out a rule for the vice president, other than that he would succeed the uh, succeed the president if he died. And he would be the president of the Senate. But aside from that, it really had no, you know, it wasn't like Biden where he was supposed to, you know, wash his Trans Am on the White House lawn or yeah, make a boner on news. Yeah, but right. back then they didn't even give the vice president a, a house to live in. You were just va- a vagrant, basically. Yeah, vice presidents historically lived in hotels. <laughs> um, I mean, the Radisson, uh, which, you know, still right. pretty nice. <laughs> Yeah, they got a gym. It's t- it's ten dollars a day, but if you get the monthly, it goes down to about five. Yeah, and free USA Today. I don't know, not so bad. Dick Johnson, the ninth vice president of these United States. Um, Come on, also Lee. killer of Dick Tecumseh. Dick Johnson. Dick yeah, Dick Johnson. Johnson. You're ma- you're making that up. No, he's the ninth vice president. He was killed by a stroke. There was a the stroke Dick. of Dick Johnson. He was killed by a stroke. Dick Johnson. Yeah, the stroke of Dick Johnson. <laughs> This is an important historical event. <laughs> was that also Google it. Was that the f- first title of the or the title of the first uh, English language porno film? It was. Yeah. It was a. It was a comedy pamphlet uh, that 
heroes that circled the colonies, you know. Oh, right, because film wouldn't be invented for, like, another 20 years. Right. Man, I'm looking it up, and so far you are correct. I don't see where it says he died. He's still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. <laughs> still stroking Dick after all Johnson these years. endures. No. And he... endures and endures. He died of a stroke. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm a stroke of Dick Johnson, bro. Brian thought he was leading a tantric existence that just lasts forever. <laughs> the stroke of Dick Johnson. It's all in the archives, man. Oh, we've lost wow. one more time Ryan in there. For the rest of the podcast, by the way. You really did yeah. go balls deep. <laughs> oh, man. That is a, I am shocked I did not know that his, historical fact. I thought it was doing pretty good that George Washington had a, a, a son named or a nephew named Bushrod, uh, but Dick Johnson—that's pretty. Yeah, we have fantastic. a new we have a new champ. Bushrod isn't even that funny anymore now that there's Dick Johnson. <laughs> Man, did you know my dad's name uh, when he was born? Uh, he went he went by Richard, but his name is Dick Johnson. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're just thinking of excuses to say Dick Johnson over and over. No, no, no. He's his. But so what? His last his name is Johnson. Yeah. yeah. But why isn't he changed? Why isn't your last name Johnson? Because he he got adopted when he was older. Um. So you're Brian Johnson. I could be Brian BJ Brian Johnson. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've just been going then, around not calling you Brian Johnson, aka BJ. Yeah. But then uh, my sister has a friend whose dad. He's also named Richard, but his last name is Seaman. So his name is <laughs> Dick you gotta be Seaman. I am not kidding. It's spelled different. It's like S-E-M-O-N. We got to get this guy elected. <laughs> Him and someone named like Michael Hunt. <laughs> President Dick Seaman. Is your dad just hanging out at some club of guys with two perfect names? <laughs> it's, only, it's only three members. Dick Johnson versus Dick Seaman. For charter president. Oh my god. Can we change the whole topic of this to hilariously named founding fathers? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh god. Who? Uh, Where the fuck are we? Okay, so Aaron Burr didn't get to do a lot during his vice presidency. Um, he didn't but he get had to this duel his... a lot? Well, he didn't get to do a lot. Oh, uh, do dueling... a lot. Okay. Uh, I see. Um, yeah. Well, when so, he challenged him to a duel, the only reason Hamilton accepted was because he thought it was duel mode on GoldenEye 64. Um, so he was sort of tricked into it. Yeah. He didn't, he, he didn't know that, uh, and he also, that Aaron yeah, Burr he was know that it, operating. head mode had been activated, which made uh, Hamilton much easier to shoot. Also, Burr had right. um, entered man with golden gun mode. So yeah. oh. Burr always used odd job, which is he's such a little bitch. Oh, uh, yeah. And Hamilton, yeah, very Hamilton hard to target. Stupidly, be uh, <laughs> who was that giant chef guy? God damn it, <laughs> Baron Samedi. Baron Samedi, yeah, yeah, <laughs> from Live and Let Die. Yeah, the most racist James uh-huh. Bond movie. Anyway, back to the case, Brian. You've led us astray from the case. We got to get back on this. <laughs> so I, yeah, I apologize, Brian. listeners, fellow podcasters. I, I apologize. Um, so we should so, probably go into like you know the feud between him and Hamilton a bit. R- Hamilton right. was Secretary of the Treasury, um, <laughs> which was more like a sort of prime minister at that time because he really set a lot of economic policy. So he was a very powerful man, even though he was not president 
himself. This yeah, isn't like also... in high school when you get elected to treasurer and you, all your job, your only job is just to like hold all the money that you make from base yeah. sales. Right. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. ba- he basically formed American economic policy and helped pull it out of debt following the, uh, the Revolutionary War and uh, get good credit so that they could borrow money from France and other countries. Um, but he... He had also he was also very good friends with uh, George Washington, having right. served as his aide de camp in during the Revolutionary War, and then second in command during the Quasi War uh, in the late eighteen uh, hundreds. Um, but he was kind of, he was a bit of a, sca- a scoundrel. He mm. uh, he fucked around, and that kind of helped uh, really really uh, sour his reputation. He was also an intriguer. And he would pit people against each other, kind of behind their backs, uh, talk around his friends, do all mm-hmm. sorts of things. He, he had this, you know, growing bad uh, reputation. Um, and he used to insult Burr a lot. Now, we don't know if Burr ever responded because nothing has come down in the record, yeah. uh, like a, in the printed record where Burr printed something that was against Hamilton. But Hamilton definitely, like, founded newspapers, which was not uncommon in those days. But he founded newspapers just to shit on Burr. Right. Uh, and, and this happened over the years multiple times. Burr was more of a, an anonymously troll on message board type. Right. They're right. not sure if if Burr added Alexander Hamilton with his insults or just hashtagged Alexander Hamilton and that's kind of where the dispute's about because they right. lost he, all his he was, tweets. He was, ba- he was basically subtweeting the entire time. Yeah, there was right. a lot of uh, fake and gay uh, missives <laughs> issued back in that time and the handwriting samples matched that of Aaron Burr. But mm. we can't say for sure. Like a lot in this episode. <laughs> um, uh, right. <laughs> but so Hamilton, uh, Hamilton finally got around to insulting Burr to the point that Burr, you know, demanded a retraction. And then, do, and, do we, uh, Brian, I mean, do you know any, what are, what's an insult back then? Like, sockdologizing uh, old man trap? Yeah, <laughs> well, you just got later. pwned. Um, the, uh, like, back then saying, I do not care for you, was like, that constituted a sick burn back then. Right. right. Um, the, uh, so, so, you know, like, Hamilton's son had had been in a duel and mm-hmm. died actually, like two right. years before this. This is we're talking eighteen oh four. Oh man, what an idiot! Uh, <laughs> and um, that was George Hamilton, of course, famous actor. <laughs> and uh, the the thing about duels is that they could be actual offenses, or they could be just saying like, um, you know. That man is no gentleman. Um, or just like if a town isn't big enough for the two of them. Yeah, that sort of thing. It, it's very bizarre. So like, um, Hamilton insulted Burr not only uh, about his uh, political and governing skills, but also just basically said, you know, he's not a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He's unfit for office. Oh, man. And yeah. Low, low, blow. Yeah, really. He referenced his sexual sort of perversions. He he thought it was, but in in a um, a sort of oblique sort of way. But um, you know, Burr was a known philanderer, even though he was married a couple times. Um, He documented his experience with women, a lot of them prostitutes, which is why I think he might have been Jack the Ripper, even though he died fifty years (laughs) before the Ripper murders. 
Well, he he also uh, might have had uh, children illegitimately with his uh, maid, right? Um, and his his wife died early on, but he was like a, was kind of weirdly obsessed with his daughter, yeah, uh, Theodosia. Uh, so that he wasn't, gave her that all wasn't of like a joke you were making at the top of the podcast. It, I mean, it was a joke, but it's very weird. Like he yeah. wrote her in code. Um, so whenever he's talking about a woman, an unnamed woman in the third person in letters to her, and you can read them, a lot of them are saved, he's talking to her. This was like a code that they invented. Right. Uh, and Burr likes to write in codes a lot, but that mm-hmm. was a specific one. And so he, at one point I was reading, he, he sent her some short stories that Washington Irving wrote. And he was basically like, oh, you should check these out. These are pretty funny. But then he was like, although the stories are not worthy to have your touch upon their pages. Creepers. Uh, yeah, it's really oh, creepy. Oh, man, using that. <laughs> when you write to your mother? <laughs> well, um, he gave her all the education that he would have given his son. And, right. uh, you know, despite all of his uh, his faults and foibles, he was an advocate, an early advocate of women's rights. And he thought that women should vote and be educated. And he kept a painting of a, a famous sort of... Uh, woman's right uh, woman's rights uh, figure on on his wall so you know in private many said that that burr was a very gracious and and loving man um but he has this public image as sort of the black sheep of the founding fathers generation um and unlike you know adams or jefferson who were you know very much men of the enlightenment interested in the philosophical ideas of new governance Burr sort of seemed more interested in how he could leverage this new found freedom from the British into his own personal glory and uh, expansion of, of empire. As we noted, uh, you know, he, he, he founded these, this political machine and, and, and all that is sort of speaks to the way that he was interested in politics. It was less to his, it was less because of the philosophical ideals than it was about, you know, getting power, retaining power. Um, and he was actually, you know, like, uh, he was seen in a, in a bad light by, by a lot of people. He was up for promotion several times and Washington skipped over him. And yeah. he was uh, there at Val- Valley Forge that, uh, that one terrible winter. Yeah. He, and he, you know, he was kind of a hero of the war. He helped save a brigade during the, uh, the British invasion of, uh, New York. Mm-hmm. He led was the a, Tuskegee Airmen. <laughs> he was the one who was infecting them secretly with smallpox. Right. Um, but no, so, so he had this, he's had this sort of bad reputation with a lot of people, including Washington, definitely including Alexander Hamilton, uh, but also with members of his own party. Like, uh, he, he, he was part of the same party as, as Jefferson, who, uh, were called Democrats, but we, now we call them Democratic Republicans just to differentiate. And he was seen less as a as a party man and more of like a practitioner of realpolitik. So if he could step on the toes of his fellows, uh, he would do so in order to get sort of the best, most um, uh, you know, easy easiest result for himself. Less um, of a party man, more of a party animal. <laughs> <laughs> but so Hamilton, uh, Hamilton. Mentioned to a friend all these bad things about uh, Burr. Mm-hmm. Burr asked Hamilton to either own up to the comments or retract them. Hamilton did neither. He just sort of talked around them and talked about his opinions of these comments that he was supposed to have said about Burr. 
uh, very verbose kind of letter. And so Burr said, all right, it's on. We're going to duel. Mm-hmm. And the there's something called the Code Duello of that era. And it uh, kind of kind of governs how duels are supposed to take place. And in that period of time, duels were illegal in Manhattan. Uh, but uh, there Not was in the f- United States as a whole, though. Well, yeah, during that period of time, it was also much, there was much less federal regulation. So it was like from state to state, you would have wildly different uh, laws. And because New Jersey was right across, across the uh, river, people would go to Weehawken, New Jersey. And this was mm-hmm. a famous dueling site. Uh, it's it also the place where, um, George Hamilton, the famous actor and, uh, Alexander Hamilton's son <laughs> died year, uh, two years previous, uh, in a duel. And actually, uh, Hamilton selected the same guns his son had used in that duel. Because it worked be, out so well for him. <laughs> right. It, to be used in the bird duel. Now, we don't know. Be, uh, so if you know anything about like uh, Barry Lyndon or you've seen any movies with duels, you know that there's sort of this gentlemanly aspect where you can get to the to the place, you can select your weapons, and then... You know, the offended party can again ask for the statement to be retracted. Mm-hmm. The offender may do so, and then they shake hands and part as as gentlemen. Uh, also, there's a there's a concept of throwing your shot away, where yes. you blatantly shoot into the air or into the ground when you're too your... much of a gentleman to go through with this brutal act. Right, and uh, you know, it's unknown what intentions were, but. Let's just say what happened first. So they so they went to Weehawken. They each had their seconds. They handed out guns, and these guns were kind of a little bit unfair. Yeah, they had a hair trigger, which right. uh, required much less pressure to fire. Which uh, it's easier to misfire with that sort of thing. Um, and the way the duel was set up, they uh, Hamilton <laughs> selected. Selected Burr to stand with the sun behind him, right. thinking, thinking that the silhouette would help him aim. And he had the Moonraker laser, but Burr had the RCP-90, so it was a little unfair. Yeah, and he had right, auto-aim right. selected, so he didn't I know. Mm, right, what a supposed new... to turn that off. Come yeah, on. They're this gentlemen, is, come on. This is gentlemen. Um, but then they both wore loose-fitting clothing, and the way you dueled back then was you stood... With your side facing your opponent, so there were, you have presented much less of a target. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we don't know exactly how it happened, but first there was one shot, and Hamilton was given the first shot, so we can assume it might have been him. But first there was one shot, a couple seconds later there was a second shot, and then Hamilton fell. Mm-hmm. And the reason we don't know the specifics is because uh, because of the weird legality of duels is people wouldn't watch them. So the seconds would like, you know, turn their backs. Uh, the, the, the boatsman who had, uh, rowed them over from Manhattan didn't see any yeah. of this either. And following this, Hamilton fell down. Mm-hmm. He had been shot. Burr was not shot. He, he went back to Manhattan and had lunch. And then later he found out that Hamilton's wound was fatal. He'd been shot in the stomach, and uh, I, I think it took him like 24 hours to die. It was just yeah. brutal. And that's where the spin began. Uh, Hamilton seconds, uh, second began telling this story about how Hamilton had promised to throw his shot away. He was not going to shoot Burr. 
He was mm-hmm. going to be a gentleman, and he assumed Burr would be this would do the same. Mm-hmm. But the story now became this one of Hamilton the victim. He had been forced into this duel to preserve his honor. He he had assured everyone that he wasn't going to fire, and he shot you know either into the air, or into the ground, or you know purposefully threw his shot away. And then Burr just took aim and shot him down. Mm-hmm. This malicious, evil man, Burr. And so there was, you know, huge scandal. I mean, this is the vice president. Right. And Uh, the reason why the seconds didn't look is that their moms covered their eyes because they said that that part was too violent. Yeah, that part, they were watching the movie on Showtime as opposed to like edited on TNT. Right. So all the violence was intact. Mm -hmm. Too scary for children. Uh, Children were typically chosen as seconds because they're small fingers could help easily load guns. So, so yeah, so Hamilton was dead. He was, you know, renowned as the treasurer and a war hero, and there was this huge scandal, and yet Burr was never brought to trial. He, you know, <laughs> went back to Washington and continued to preside over the Senate, even presiding over a tr- uh, um, uh, an impeachment trial. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he... Uh, he he did it. Good good for him. Maybe. Yeah, it, it's a time honored tradition of vice presidents shooting people. You know, Dick Cheney took part in that, so we're just waiting for Biden to uh, shoot someone too. I, I assume Biden is shooting people down in secret all the fucking yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, if you're vice president, how do you not shoot somebody knowing you basically have a get out of jail free card? Right, he plays that hard target game. It's your it's your <laughs> right as a vice president to shoot somebody. Right. Every you know how every few months Biden sort of disappears for a week. Mm-hmm. He's going down to Cuba to hunt a human being. Yeah, he's hunting. It's men. the most dangerous game. Yeah, but that's illegal to do in Cuba anyway. We're talking about right. killing someone in the United States, Brian. Right, and they have exactly. free health care, so even if people get shot, they can get better. Right, uh, but but medicine didn't in, in, exist in those days, and the witch doctor that Hamilton hired was actually a, a, a con man. So he did. He did die, and Burr went and served the rest of his vice presidency. However, even though Jefferson won a second term as president, Aaron Burr was not put up for the office again. So he served out the rest of his term, but then in 1805 he was out of a job. Yeah, and that's where we'll pick up in part two of Inside Jobs. All right, let's go to the phones and see who's out there. Hello, for $10,000, who should... Aaron Burr. Excuse me? Aaron Burr. Oh, hold on, let me take a look. I'm afraid your time is almost up. Aaron Burr. I'm sorry, maybe next time. Aaron Burr. All right, guys. So Aaron Burr has uh, shot a man to death and has allegedly. Left the... N- no, he he did definitely. Isn't there a chance that uh, Alexander Hamilton, with his hair trigger rifle, mm-hmm. and he was shot in the hip, I believe. Pistol, pistol. Sorry, pistol. And he was shot in the hip, right? Not the, not the stomach, as you said. Uh, uh, yeah, I was in the side. Yeah. Isn't there a chance that he might have shot himself? So aggrieved was he by the dishonor he had shown to Aaron Burr 
he committed suicide in the most painful way possible. No, I meant like as he is drawing his pistol out of his holster. Old West, <laughs> his old holster West, <laughs> at, at high noon. Old West style at high noon. Mm-hmm. No, I well, I think it would have been at sunset, since uh, oh, uh, since okay. uh, Burr had the sun behind him. Right. Um, he uh, accidentally shot himself in the hip, and then. Mm-hmm. So that Burr could claim credit for it, he just fired another shot into the air. Yeah. Right. It's well, very possible. The The reason why everyone thinks that Hamilton shot first is that in the special edition, George Lucas went back and changed it. So it's really made it hard to sort through the history. Right. Yeah. And now everyone wears those t-shirts. Hamilton, <laughs> yeah, shot, Hamilton yeah. shot first. Hamilton shot first. <laughs> Uh, so, well, okay, I'll revise. Burr has allegedly shot a man to death, mm. and he has allegedly served four years as vice president. Are you making air and, quotes every time you say allegedly? Uh, yes. Okay, yes. I can hear in your voice. You man. always have to use air quotes when you're saying allegedly. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then he allegedly... <laughs> Made sweet went, love to his daughter. He went He went west... But what was he planning to do? Are you asking us? Because I, I don't know. I I was asking you. Well, it's uh, it's interesting. I heard one story that uh, his older brother told him about some porno that was out in the woods. Yeah. And that uh, if if he went out to look for it, he could just have a really good stash of porno. His oh, older man. brother, Casey Affleck. <laughs> what? Oh, man. Remember when you could just find porno in the woods and just make a day of it? Right. There, I mean, I never found porno in the woods, but that was you only the left story. porno in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> for for others to find. Right. You had that tree that was kind of shaped like a naked woman that you would kind of jerk off to, but that was all you had in the woods. <laughs> uh, no, that was because I when I was in middle school, I lived, I lived in like near woods, surrounded by woods, and that was the story, like. You know, somebody at school was just like, yeah, I found it. I found a an old abandoned washing machine filled with porno. Oh, man. Nice. That's when you just disappeared into the woods for weeks. <laughs> right. But then you got fucked like fucked by a tree like that girl in uh, Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say bridge to terror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I never read that book. And then my friend asked me to direct a, a play that she wrote, and so and I, then I directed it. And my friend asked me to direct the film adaptation of <laughs> Well, well, ba- well That's basically, why it was such a disaster at the box office. After I directed the play, someone was like, hey, I just want to let you know that script is a rip-off rip of Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> well, what was, the, what was the play called? It was called, it was like, called Serenity. Bridge to Smerabithia. It was like Serenity. A Bridge to Terabithia too far. <laughs> yeah, Sean Conroy had a mustache and shot a Nazi through a window. <laughs> Man, that is such a good part of Bridge Too Far. You guys seen that movie? When, yes, when Sean Connery kills someone. When they're all racing to see who the fastest kid in class is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's standing at this window, like, talking to some other guys about, like, plans and stuff, and it's kind of like a subdued, non-war scene conversation. And then this Nazi just, like... Pops up in the window and like without looking at him, sort of Batman return style, Sean Carnes pulls out a pistol and shoots the, the Nazi dead. It's it might be the best moment 
in movie history. Oh, man. I like it when yeah, in The Untouchables when Sean Connery interrogates that dead body. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's pretty badass. Yep, we can agree. Anything Sean Connery does in a mustache is pretty bad, badass. But but back to the case, right? <laughs> right. Where were... Oh, yeah. So he went out to look for this porno. Mm-hmm. And uh, in those days... So if you want to imagine a map of America... You have the 13 original colonies, although Massachusetts has been split up significantly, mm-hmm. and uh, Alabama is uh, a state. Right. And then F- Florida. Man, Alabama Florida, was a state back then? Yeah. I'm glad, we got rid of, uh, I'm glad we got rid of it. You know what? I misspoke. Tennessee was a state. Oh. Right. Um, uh, formerly Franklin. Alaba- uh, Alabama so- was in the beta trials at the time. <laughs> right. Well, right. part of Alabama belonged to the Spanish who controlled Florida and um, the coastal Gulf region mm-hmm. up to uh, New Orleans, which the Spanish briefly controlled and then Napoleon took back. And so the entire Louisiana Territory, which is basically the Mississippi River and West, except for a couple uh, a couple parts of like California and New Mexico, and then Oregon Territory, which was unclaimed at the time. No one had but, gone uh, on the Oregon Trail. Right, exactly. Because they were all, they all were at the most meager of sustenance levels and they forgot to buy medicine at the store because they just wanted to stock up on bullets. Also, they but were pronouncing it, died. also they were pronouncing it Oregon, so they all died, uh, virgins oh, right. and never produced any progeny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of buying food, they just bought ammo and played the hunting part. Which is what I used to do in school on the Oregon Trail. I honestly don't know why I pronounced it that way. I typically pronounce it Oregon, but they pronounce it Oregon out here, and I guess it's catching on. Um, Oh man, is that the is that what the kids are doing out there now? They're pronouncing Portlandia. They also wait online instead of in line. Oh man, I'm like, guys, these skates are amazing. Yeah, like, yeah, online skating is great. Um. I am so sorry. I'm so tired. <gasps> oh man, that joke was like that was dad esque. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna make a wonderful dad one day. <laughs> hey kids, do you want to learn about the Louisiana Purchase? <laughs> hey kids, did you hear my latest rap about the Louisiana Purchase? <laughs> so uh, my name is Dad, what? and I'm here to say the Louisiana Purchase was good for the USA. Oh God. <laughs> You're better like at them. Oh God! Cut that out. Yeah, let's edit that part out. (laughs) But let's keep the part where we're saying let's edit that part out. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So the audience is left to wonder what awful thing Lee said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, folks, it was so awful. So uh, Napoleon uh, had just suffered the the loss of uh, Haiti. Mm-hmm. which um, was, had undergone a slave rebellion, and he was in need of money for his wars. Mm-hmm. And so Jefferson, who uh, was kind of on the fence about whether or not uh, America, and especially the executive branch of America, could expand the territory of the country mm-hmm. because it wasn't specified in the Constitution, he sent um, Secretary of State Madison to France to try to uh, offer to purchase New Orleans. And the reason for this is because the Mississippi, <laughs> you know, bifurcates the entire continent. Watch your mouth. And, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Splits in two Thank the entire you. continent, uh, and is um uh, is and you know still today is a major uh, waterway for transporting goods along the uh, the those western territories. Well, back then they All... thought the Mississippi River was the Pacific Ocean. Right. Right. Yeah. The they best were thing. Confused. The best thing that it's used to uh, transport across the United States for is the folksy wisdom of Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> the most useful part of the uh, Mississippi. Yeah, he was he was able to uh, send it to the Gulf and then all around the world from there. Right. Um, but uh, Napoleon was in such desperate need of money, he, he made this huge offer for the entirety of the Louisiana Territory. And uh, they they took the deal. So America now had all these this huge swath of uncharted land. However, there was a little bit of discrepancy over the, some of the eastern borders because Spain still controlled, like I said, that Florida and little part of the Gulf uh, Coast, and there were areas that the Louisiana Purchase overlapped. And people so didn't really there, know like w- what the extent of territory was necessarily back then. because pe- they, People just didn't know what shit was. They didn't yeah. have science, technology. They didn't understand they really... the concept of space. Right. Right. They didn't realize the bounties it had to offer us. People were just living in their minds, man. <laughs> it was much freer in that yeah. way. You could just, like, fucking take your family on a caravan through the Southwest and really find yourself. Yeah. Um, and so, Jeff- you know, Jefferson sent Lewis and Clark to investigate what they purchased. Lewis but... and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They sent, they them, sent, they sent them with Kane. a season one DVD to watch. Yeah, they sent Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say uh, Native American guide Terry Hatcher <laughs> was able to lead them through the territory because she uh, she knew it, but she she was pregnant, so it kind of impeded their journey. Sacagawea, everybody! Right. Well, she was impregnated by Pierce Brosnan during Tomorrow Never Dies. Right. Everybody was impregnated by Pierce Brosnan in Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> Even Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Um, so, uh, so, um, what's his name? Burr, the guy. The, main <laughs> the guy, guy that we're talking man. about. Uh, Burr started traveling through, like, uh, what's now Kentucky and along the Ohio River, through Ohio as well. And, uh, he, uh, was, you know, meeting up with folks, including this guy, General Wilkinson. Who uh, he he'd served with in the in the Revolutionary War um, had some scandals going on a, uh, around him. His reputation was a little murky. Well, he was a spy, he, right? He was a spy well, for the Spanish, like a double agent, even though he was right. hot in charge of the army. And and actually, what's weird is uh, nobody found that out until he died. So he was taking money from the Spanish to, you know, provide information about all these territorial conquests. Uh, that, uh, that America had recently purchased. Mm-hmm. And it's like, basically, from 1800 on, he was, he was committing treason, uh, by, by accepting this money, especially in the positions. And he was named as the, uh, colonial governor of Louisiana, mm-hmm. uh, Louisiana Territory, uh, which is this, you know, huge, broad, uh, swath of land. And Burr met up with him, and they started to discuss things. We don't exactly know what the plan was, but it's it's you know involved getting information about uh, the uh, 
military forces in Mexico. It, it involved meeting with colonists mm-hmm. in the Western uh, territories to find out how much they supported the f- American federal government, what they wanted out of, uh, uh, you know, business on the Mississippi. And this wasn't were... a, a secret. I mean, he was meeting with all of these people. He wasn't like sneaking around in like a, with a cloak and dagger. Like it was pretty well known and it started to pop up in the newspapers that, that Burr was up to something trying to reboot his career after the, the scandal with the duel by any means right. possible, even if it, it wasn't uh, the the normal political avenues of the United States, like being elected to something. But fortunately, think about it, no one could read back then. So even though it was right. appearing in the papers, that's why nothing ever came of it. Well, well there were I comics mean, of it, actually. Oh, okay. Very, yeah, well, comics very, are different. Very mm-hmm. few people could read, and so these Western territories would get newspapers, and then one old man would read it to everyone. He died in 1803. Ah, the the so, guy who read the newspapers aloud died. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he... They were getting the newspapers and just looking at him, like, baffled. What is going on? Why is why is Aaron Burr on the paper? They just figured he was famous. Mm-hmm. And so when he came to town, he was a, a, a local hero. Yeah, the guy yeah. from the papers. The guy from the Got Milk commercial. <laughs> <laughs> it's him. Aaron it's really him. Burr. Um, yeah, so, but Aaron Burr, who, who was basically, you know, in Washington, D.C. and uh, other major cities on the East Coast was, you know, couldn't get a break anywhere. Out in the West, he was actually celebrated. And so when he was meeting with people like, uh, General Wilkinson and this guy, this, um, Irish guy who owned an island in the Ohio River, whose name is kind of funny, Harmon Blennerhassett. Um, and he married uh, his cousin or some sketchy thing like that, he, so he wasn't really allowed in Ireland anymore. Ha- not right. Harmon well, Blennerhassett. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was, uh, it's actually the opposite. He didn't marry his cousin. Yeah. Which was illegal in Ireland at the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so he was run out on a rail. Yeah, you can't marry outside of your family in Ireland. Right. Your parents are brother and sister, right, Gene? That is correct. <laughs> Hot. Haven't gotten a congratulations on that one. Mm-hmm. Congrats Thanks. from the Pope, or congratulations that your genetics are so fun. <laughs> That's why you have the same name as your dad. Yeah, because my dad and I are also the same guy. Yeah, you share genes we're, we're, in we're more, so many ways. There's so much inbreeding in the Irish that my dad and I are the same person. You share the name gene. You share your genetic genes. You share your Levi's genes. Everything. Uh, yeah, so Blennerhassett met with uh, met with Bertu on this island, and he more or less pledged his loyalty and his uh, his belongings to him. He said that Burr could use his island as yeah. a launching place for. He for gave him he all of his belongings. <laughs> <laughs> all of his GI Joes. Lived the life can... of a naked vagrant. <laughs> <laughs> He gave him all of his. Blitterhassett was the that type of kid who owned all the video games. Yeah. Uh, so everybody liked to go to his house, mm-hmm. and he was getting tired of it. So he's just like, "Burr, here you go. You can take all the video games." Man, let it right. Yeah. Herman Blitterhassett loved Aaron Burr so much. <laughs> he gave him TMNT two and the Hyperstone Heist and Turtles he gave in him, Time. He gave him Battletoads. He gave him. Um, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, every edition of Mega Man, something something yeah. Harvest Moon, 
Wait, you mean he gave him uh, the Neil Young record Harvest, yeah, but right? to be fair, right. though, Herman Blennerhassett's uncle worked at Nintendo, so he got all the video games for free. Well, mm-hmm. that's what he claimed to everyone, but, uh, you know, if it turned out later that his dad was just rich. Yeah, he always said his dad was Star Fox. Yeah, he, he would say things like, oh, my dad's a secret agent, and he's the president of Nintendo. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he has an arcade version of Street Fighter 2. That has real guys in the machine. Like, he hires men to stand behind a little glass thing and fight to the death. Well, Lee, that's what video games were back then. Video games. <laughs> it was just guys. They're not like, yeah, they're not like the video games of about. today. All video games back then were you just hired people to act out the video game you wanted to play. <laughs> there, were, there, was an Im- there was an immigrant problem in the country then, and so they just put them to work reenacting Street Fighter. <laughs> The whole Alexander Hamilton Aaron Burr duel was basically uh, a Street Fighter game that their seconds were playing. <laughs> their seconds had little joysticks that were yeah. moving them around. Yeah, it's like we said, it was Goldfinger <laughs> duel mode. You weren't allowed. Again, you, you weren't allowed to use fireballs. Brian always sounds like my mom when he's talking about video games. Like, oh, you're playing your Goldfinger sixty four on your Sega. <laughs> I. Uh... My dad called every video game Doom. (laughs) (laughs) You're playing your Doom, Jim? Yeah, you guys are playing too much Doom. Like, Dad, Doom is like five years ago. This is Duke Nukem 3D. (laughs) Shake it, baby. (laughs) Wanna dance? Yeah, why did my dad say those things? You're a poster child for birth control. Wait, your dad was the voice of Duke Nukem? Uh, I thought you were doing an impression of my dad saying those things to me while I'm playing video games. (laughs) Shake it, baby. (laughs) Damn, I'm looking good. (laughs) You alien bastards messed up my ride. No one steals our chicks and lives. Your ass, your face, what's the difference? I'm here to kick ass and chew Up bottom. top. <laughs> <laughs> banger love. Right game. on cue, banger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, how did how did he uh, Burr follow the storyline of, like, Wolfenstein? Because he didn't know anything about World War II. Yeah, well, right? yeah. You just shoot everything in your way. Yeah. But, I mean... So pro- much, probably same with Call of Duty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wolfenstein taught an... Entire generation of children to both love and adore Adolf Hitler. Sorry, cyborg Adolf Hitler. Wait, both love and adore? Well, yeah. I mean, did you see that cy- the cyborg suit he's wearing at the end of Wolfenstein well, that mean, shoots miniguns? I, I, How can you not love and adore him? I mean, I love Hitler, but adore? Uh, I don't think so. I'm more of a Mussolini man myself. You're more of a what? A Mussolini man myself. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, Lee could never bring himself to kill Mussolini, the sub-boss in Wolfenstein. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, so here's the thing. Back to the, the case. Um, we don't really know exactly what Burr was up to. We sort of know he was just kind of wandering around the West trying to, you know, get a revolution going of some kind, some way to get some power, whether it was taking the Louisiana Purchase or taking Mexico or taking Texas or all of the above. And he was trying to get all these guys on his side, uh, one of which was, you know, Andrew Jackson, um, 
who, you know, had also fought in uh, the Revolutionary War and would later go on to be uh, president and kind of screwed out of the president in his own right, uh, like uh, Burr was in the previous election. To be clear, Andrew Jackson was a child during the American Revolution. Was he? And he still and he still fought in it. No, he was a messenger boy, and he apparently he got like um, uh, a British co- uh, commanding officer slashed him, and so he wore a scar on his face until the day he died. He was Anakin Skywalker in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yes. Basically. No, he was Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. That's oh, why yeah. Harrison Ford's on the twenty dollar bill. Yeah. It's also why he's afraid of snakes. <laughs> right. He, him and Sam Jackson once said to snakes, get off my plane. <laughs> oh, well, they called, him old, they called him Old Hickory because he scared all the snakes out of New Orleans. Right. Snake Force One. Man, whenever anyone asks me what my favorite president is, I go, President Ford, and they're like, Gerald Ford? I'm like, uh, no, President Harrison Ford, get with it. Come on, James <laughs> James Marshall over, uh, James Whitmore? Or no- uh, yeah, I think so. Is, is it James, or is it, like, Bill Whitmore? No, well, it's Bill Pullman. Oh, skip, you're right. Skip right. Whitmore. And Tug Benson <laughs> in Hot Shots Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> and see, the thing is, like, Lloyd Bridges being president, a stupid cowboy actor from the 1950s, is about as dumb as Ronald Reagan being president, a stupid, you know, cowboy actor from the 1950s. So that he's he's great in that role. Uh, it was Thomas yeah. J. Whitmore. Thomas J. Whitmore. Tom, J. probably stood for Jefferson. No, right. I bet you. I bet it stood for James. You have to. Right. If it stood all, for T.J. All film presidents. All film presidents have to have the word James. Is that mm-hmm. a rule of Hollywood? Yeah. Like uh, in Dave, his first name is James. Mm-hmm. James David Klein. <laughs> right. I told you guys the other day that so I talked to someone who, who mistook that movie in In-N-Out. I was like, <laughs> oh, hey, have you ever seen Dave, the, the president Kevin Klein movie? And the person's like, oh, yeah, that's the one where Kevin Klein is a gay president. <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, Kevin Klein is a gay everything in every movie he's in. Right. And then Kevin Costner tries to, like, uncover the mystery of why he was gay. Well, it's not really a mystery. I mean, have you seen all those hot guys? (laughs) Tommy Lee Jones, Joe Pesci. (laughs) Man, we're off the reservation. I am so sorry. I am incapable of controlling this show at this point. Bill Bill Mitchell is the president in... Dave. Bill right. Mitchell, right? Yeah. So under old presidential election rules, probably James Marshall would have been president and Thomas right. Whitmore would have been vice president. Because back in the right. day, when the president died, he was not replaced by the vice president. He was replaced by a guy who looked exactly like him. So they would just go around the country and find the guy who looked the most like the president. Yeah, that's why Aaron Burr backed off on his plans to assassinate Thomas Jefferson because he wasn't going to become president after that. They were just going to get Rich Little to do it. Right. <laughs> uh, something interesting happened yesterday. I became the president of the United States. <laughs> wow. That's pretty awesome. You are correct, sir. <laughs> 
God, I brought, they must I have brought been... my cousin too, just to do Ed McMahon impressions. <laughs> <laughs> your your, pres- your brother is Rich Little. <laughs> my brother is an Ed McMahon impersonator who is also Rich Little. <laughs> oh. Um. Burr went around the Western territories, meeting with military <laughs> and business interests and kind of scaring up uh, support for these kinds of um, wild adventures that he wanted to go on. So there's a term in this period known as filibustering, mm-hmm. which is uh, different from filibustering as we know it, it today. It's more like it's taking up arms. Yeah, basically getting getting a private army mm-hmm. and going to conquer uh, foreign states. It happened quite frequently throughout the 19th century that people would do this there's um probably the most famous example is william walker Mm -hmm. who uh this is later in the 19th century was funded by cornelius vanderbilt to go down into central america and basically uh basically take over i think he was president of honduras or nicaragua somewhere around there for a while Mm -hmm. before he was uh, overthrown and killed but so uh, Burr was basically on this filibustering plan. He he mentioned going into the Western territories, uh, possibly provoking a war between the United States and Spain mm-hmm. so that he could also uh, attack Spain on the side and carve out parts of the territory for himself um, or even fight on Spain's side against the Union to get some of the territories for himself. The The, the, the problem with the plan is that Everyone he talked to got a different version of it, and then they added in their own interpretations of what he was saying he, he wanted to do. There was even one person, um, William Easton, who s- claimed that Burr's plan was to invade Washington, D.C. itself and either hold Jefferson hostage for money and uh, exchange of territory or simply kill him and take the territory himself. Um but uh, so, like I, like we're saying, everybody's getting a different version of this. But it is clear that Burr is up to something mm-hmm. because rumblings of these plans start to get to Thomas Jefferson, the president, right? Who was just he sleeping in his desk, <laughs> just taking a nice siesta. And it's interesting to think that well, Thomas... fucking all those slaves really wears you out. Yeah, listening to the Mexican hat dance. Right, being played on a Monticello, which is a special type of Jeffersonian instrument. <laughs> that he invented himself. He held over 200 patents. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, so TJ started to hear reports Old that Burr was TJ. up to. TJ yeah, Hooker. TJ, like TR, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Worn out from all those Jefferson nights. Those crazy Jefferson nights. I spent a Jefferson month there one Jefferson night. <laughs> Is it Jefferson night like you just pay a nickel for everything? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so Jefferson started to hear from people, uh, including Easton, as we said. Um, Burr was also talking to ambassadors from right. England and Spain. Um, he was talking to three brothers who were trying to stage their own uprising in Florida. Um, the Baldwins. <laughs> the Baldwins. And there was only two Baldwins back then. So they didn't yeah. right. They didn't get much of an uprising going. 
They only had right. one electoral vote. <laughs> yeah. Well, a Baldwin was only worth three-fourths of a man back then. Yeah. <laughs> and now compare today, where it's like you can win the entire election just getting the Baldwin electoral the, vote. The Baldwin vote. Right. Yeah. So they were down to join uh, Burr's expedition because 30 Rock had just been canceled. So they weren't up to much. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, they kind of stopped wh- whatever was going to happen. The Jefferson administration sort of got public opinion on his side and against Burr to stop what was ever happening. So whatever he wanted to do, Aaron Burr really never got to make a move and he never really got to uh, do anything with the support he'd been trying to get. But uh, so he was sold out actually by, uh, by uh, General Wilkinson, who warned uh, Thomas Jefferson that Burr was trying to stage uh, a, an armed uprising in Western territories, and that he was preparing his army uh, to inter- intercept this. Yeah. Jefferson allowed him to do this, and he he actually got in talks with um, Andrew Jackson, who also pledged his support. And so sh- uh, boats were being sent to Blanahasset's Island. From Ohio, mm-hmm. Ohio had a different capital than it's a it's a Native American word that I can't remember. But Cleveland being shipped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, so the, these boats were being shipped uh, from from Cleveland down to Blanhasset Island. Some of them arrived, but then the rest of them didn't. Burr and his co-conspiracists were immediately alerted to this, and they started to flee and, mm-hmm. and empty out the island. And Burr actually made it uh, as far as Alabama, where he was arrested and was escorted back to Virginia by, you know, military police. Right. He was, like, treated pretty well, though. Like, he would, like, play chess and hang out with people and drink. And I even heard that they allowed him to, like, keep his gun and his knife or something. So they were, like, they weren't really worried about him being a flight risk, I guess. Right. Well, he was a gentleman and he wanted to face the charges Man to man in right. a duel in Weehawken, <laughs> New Jersey. Yeah, he was. If they served him like you know any sort of papers, he was going to shoot them in a duel. Yeah, I dueled my way into this mess. I'm going to duel my way out of it. I'm going to shoot the Constitution. <laughs> it it was the thing he knew best. <laughs> right. Um. So uh, at this time, Jefferson, and I don't know, Jefferson is kind of this hall- hallowed figure, and uh, you know, the the one sort of black mark on his record is that he you know impregnated his slave as a mistress and kept his offspring with not no pun definitely not intended i felt really bad after (laughs) (laughs) but he also did a lot of other terrible things like um uh, when he was in politics he set up all of these judges to be tried on trumped up uh, impeachment charges, right. so that he could he, so that he could pack the court with uh, his own followers, and um, you know other other sort of political ph- philandering, uh, which you know it's it's really scummy of him yeah. if you look back on it. The grossest and, thing he did though is he was married to Mia Farrow, and she had an adopted daughter, and he started hooking up with her, and then they got married, and that's right. one of the the biggest scandals with Monticello. But it's like if you look at his work on one hand and discount his personal yeah. life, he's still amazing. Yeah, judge he's still amazing. The leg- the law, not the legislator. You know. Yeah, he he was releasing a Declaration of Independence every year. Right. Like, wh- who else has that kind of uh, you know staying power? Man, Mia right. Farrow oh. just had terrible luck with brainy East Coast intellectuals. Right. <laughs> 
Right. I should say Nebish East Coast Wait, New York Jews. Wait, you mean when she was married to Frank Sinatra, that that most Jewy of intellectuals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, old Jew eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you want I should do it my way? So... Yeah, so John Marshall was a Supreme Court Chief Justice who was against Jefferson, didn't agree with, uh, you know, a lot of his policies and ideologies. And because, you know, Jefferson was so intent on bringing uh, treason charges up against Burr, John Marshall seems to have sided a little bit with Burr and possibly yeah. not have run uh, an entirely fair trial. However, there wasn't a lot of good evidence against Burr. There were uh, there were letters that he supposedly sent, but they were copies of letters, which right. weren't weren't very trustworthy. A lot of the people, a lot of the defendants who were brought in, including um, you know Easton and uh, other you know sundry people from the Western territories, uh, all uh, you know contradicted one another. Partly because Burr, you know, told, told them, them different, different things. Yeah, told them different things. And also because Burr lied about uh, some of the support he had from different people in order to encourage the person that he was talking to that, look, I've already got all this support. You might as well just join up because, you know, it's a sure thing at this point. Um, But the real kind of, uh, you know, supposedly the smoking gun was uh, a letter that Wilkinson had from Burr. The cipher letter? Correct. The cipher letter, yeah. And like I said uh, t- towards the end or towards the beginning of the show about Burr, he always liked to write, write in, things si- in code. In code, yeah. Even when he was writing to his daughter, but especially when he was writing to Wilkinson about the, 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 the plot that they were uh, forming. And so he wrote this letter to um, to Wilkinson, and then it was shown on trial. And it kind of says... You know, some interesting things, talking about seizing different cities such as Baton Rouge, moving troops to different areas, uh, moving people to Natchez, mm. you know. But it doesn't really spell out a definitive plot, and right. it doesn't really spell out exactly what Burr was planning. Mm-hmm. And on top of this... Uh, there was a little bit of a skirmish with Jefferson because Judge Marshall subpoenaed him yes. to produce some uh, of his uh, his papers. Right. So Jefferson had received a lot of letters warning him that Burr was up to something, and yeah. he and so he tried to subpoena Jefferson in order to get these letters. Jefferson claimed because of uh, executive privilege. He and because of the separation between the executive and the judicial branch, that he did not have to submit himself to a subpoena of uh, from the Supreme Court. Much as Richard Nixon would try to fight later, the, these the, the battles of the Watergate, um, you know, hearings and the Burr conspiracy trial um, sort of all lead back to JFK. Right, it all leads back to the Bay of Pigs and JFK. Yeah, and I mean. What was Jefferson even doing on November 22nd, 1963? Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody knows. Right. Probably at he a was, Studebaker was, meeting. Right. He was closing a duel for Studebaker. Yeah. 
with uh, Miss Veronica. What's her name? <laughs> Veronica Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. <laughs> um, so. Really what this becomes about is what is the definition of treason? Because under the Constitution, treason basically says that you have to have either two witnesses um, to the treason or that has to be like an overt act of war. You know, like, a, you know, him leading some troops attacking somebody. All right, Whereas here, under- I, pu- I, I pulled up the Constitution. Here's exactly what it says. Yeah. Treason Brian is against- just reading off of his framed photo of the Constitution right now. I'm reading off of my tattoo. <laughs> Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. God, you always use that voice when you read from the Constitution. Come on, man. Treason shall look against the United <laughs> yeah. States. Use the Paul Lynn voice. No, Come use on. your rich little voice. <laughs> That's you. Well, if I could quote any part of the Constitution, I would do it. I can't do it. We the people, can you do that part? No. <laughs> He'll just say we the poople. <laughs> um, uh, we the uh, television watching public. British law was much more, you know, uh, broad in terms of what could, who could be, you know, um, convicted of treason. And, you know, that's one of the main reasons why people wanted to get out from under British rule and start a new country so that they couldn't just get accused of, of treason for, you know, saying that the Queen was pretty overrated, even though the performances were good. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> up top. <laughs> um, Banger. Yeah. <laughs> Bang it at home. But but also this, so so in that uh, little uh, section I just read, it said, uh, unless two witnesses testi- testify to the same overt act. Right. Uh, or in confession. And Bird did not confess, and no two witnesses were providing the same testimony about what he had done. Yeah. Uh, and because nothing that he had done was an overt act against the United States... Or in support of its enemies. Uh, he was really Marshall, good at those kind of, you know, subtle, nuanced acts of war against the United States. Right. Yeah. Like bombing Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> Building and then bombing Pearl Harbor. <laughs> well, and this really becomes a trial about, like, you know, can the president just say that someone is guilty of treason and then they throw him in jail? And the question is answered no. And that's kind of John Marshall's stand as he says that, you know, we can't just use the old British standards for treason if we're going to uphold this new constitution. And Jefferson was sort of of the school of like, well, you know, the constitution is great, but, you know, the, what the, the, the well-being of the country is paramount to that. Yeah. He was different from other presidents in that respect. Who, who who always followed the law to a T. Yeah, yeah exactly. And well, it's, it's, it's weird if you look about it in the current situation where, um, uh, you know, Presidents Bush and Presidents Ob- Barack uh, Obama, Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, have decided that, yes, they can actually execute uh, right. United States citizens 
without uh, bringing them to trial or even offering proof or having any oversight in their decision. Uh, Whereas this was really one of the biggest questions in the trial of Aaron Burr. (laughs) All right, now there are two parts of this show that we'll edit out. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Nice. Um, But yeah, no, so, so Marshall... Uh, withstood uh, Jefferson's uh, overtures to uh, conviction and acquitted Aaron Burr. And mm-hmm. we'll never was... really know exactly what he was up to as he was raising money and troops and, you know, commingling with these sort of shady characters and business characters in the Western territories. Where he and but... Jerry the Blade Moldano hid the body of U.S. Senator <laughs> Boyd Boyette. Exactly. <laughs> and it was kind of a it was kind of a Scottish verdict, as they say, the ruling that uh, Wilkinson had. Because they had Basically, to read, read it out like this. Yeah, not not guilty. <laughs> we think, think he's great. He's, he's just great. But we'll I didn't kill his gay. Let's watch Brave. <laughs> um, and Braveheart. <laughs> they may take our lives, but they'll never take Aaron Burr's. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so he was, he was, he, uh, sorry, what were you saying? It's a, it's a, sh- a scotch tape? Oh, a Scottish verdict, which basically means not proven. In Scottish law, it used to be that you was like, you were either guilty or was not proven that you were guilty. And it was only later that they developed an actual not, an actual not guilty. Right. So when someone, they, when the, someone thinks that the individual on trial is guilty, but they can't prove it, that's, that's kind of called a Scottish verdict. And the, the ruling that Wilkinson had, um, basically he, he wrote, uh, you know, a, st- a statement and, um, it, it was kind of nebulous whether or not he actually thought that Burr was a traitor. But at the end of the day, his job was to interpret the constitution and he did it in, in the way that he thought, uh, best protected the rights of an individual against their government, specifically the executive branch. Yeah. So in a way it's kind of a constitutional triumph for the, the man against the government. Man, I only hope that John Grisham is listening to this right now and writing his next novel, The Scotch Verdict. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what was funny about uh, about Marshall's interpretation of the Constitution and his interpretation of the verdict is that he quoted Jefferson in his decision where he said, um, you know, the roots of liberty must sometimes be watered with the blood of tyrants and patriots. Uh, and he just quoted that straight from the tattoo on his arm where it yeah. said, love it or leave it. And the tattoo was of the characters from the Jeffersons moving on up. East right. Side. Right. Exactly. Who are the How did descendants? we go the whole podcast and we're only just now making a joke about the Jeffersons TV show? Well, well teach- they're, they're the descendants of the Monticello children are the Jeffersons and they finally moved on up to the East Side. And it's Wait, one of the great stories. That means they're part instrument. Yes, the Wait, part Monticello. Are the in the Jefferson's TV show, and I'm asking this in earnest, are they the descendants of Thomas Jefferson's uh uh Sally Hemings in Sally yeah. Hemings? They are. Yes. Definitely. Oh, okay. And don't call me Ernest. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Ernest <Okay>. Lee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, so Burr was acquitted, but his, his reputation was totally ruined. And, yeah. um, shortly after this, I think it was about 
seven or eight years later, his beloved daughter was killed by pirates. Right. Why is that funny, and Brian? All of his papers it were really lost, It really happened. I'm sorry. It really happened. She was killed by pirates. I don't know why it's so funny to me, but man, is it. Well, that uh, might have been a conspiracy. Maybe Jefferson's people hired some pirates to go after her and uh, get right. his papers right. and uh, kill his daughter as part of revenge. Or maybe it was Hamilton's, like, you know, Ghost. girlfriend or something. And as a testament to Thomas Jefferson's, you know, charm and persuasiveness, I mean, you never hire pirates to do anything. They can't be trusted. So the fact right. that they were able to right. carry out a task that they were paid to do... uh you know, something Thomas Jefferson probably doesn't get enough credit for. Yeah, hiring Orlando Bloom, Johnny Depp, and Keira Knightley to kill his daughter. Yeah, I think Jeffrey Rush was working with them in that one, too. He wasn't the bad guy yeah. in that one. And Bill Nye was involved. Right. You best be believing in conspiracies. You're in one. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, so Burr lived out the rest of his life. Uh, he, he spent a lot of time in Europe. He lived in England. Um. And he kind of wrote well, his he didn't memoirs. really live in England. In his seventies, he married America's richest woman too. He married one of the Waltons. <laughs> yes. Wait, he they married in Europe, or he he did a secret wedding back in America? No, he he came back to America. Yeah. Oh. Because he tried to get something going in Europe too. Like he went to France yeah. and he went to England to try to say, like, hey, you know. Help me, um, you know, create a new sort of empire in. He tried America. to start his own. Oh, I thought like then he tried to move, move to Europe and start his own empire there. Right. <laughs> hey, Napoleon, just sign it over to me. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're not using um, Belgium yeah. for anything. <laughs> but using... yeah, he uh, he he lived out, uh, you know, the rest of his life kind of in debt and obscure, uh, very sad over the loss of his his wife and his daughter. Hmm. Who were comedically killed by pirates. <laughs> his grandson was also killed by pirates. Or maybe he was his his grandson was Bootstrap Bill, which led to the entire story of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, psych. Wow. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go let's do a little round table here. Gene, do you think this was a conspiracy or no conspiracy? I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> Talking about releasing the Kraken to take over the Louisiana Purchase, which was what his plan was, right? Right. Uh, I mean, you either believe in conspiracy theory or you don't. And since I believe in right. conspiracy theory, this was clearly a conspiracy. All right, Lee, conspiracy or no conspiracy? I'm going to say that this one was definitely a not a conspiracy, actually, because... Um, he told everyone about it. Like a conspiracy, you kind of have to like try to keep it a secret, I think. And so this wasn't a conspiracy. This was just kind of a man with an excess of bravado who sort of thought that through his personal charm, he would just be able to kind of waltz into his own American empire. And I think that while that's not a conspiracy, I think that it is sort of a, a treasonous attitude towards a new country. And when you think about that time, we really didn't know what was going to go down. They had already changed the government once since the, um, you know, Revolutionary War. And everyone was kind of under the assumption that it was very possible that the government would change again. Um, so I think he was just kind of operating under that assumption. But because history is written by the victors, 
um, and history also favors the martyrs, you know, what we know of Burr is created by, you know, the Jefferson papers. Well, it was written by Victor Jefferson, <laughs> right? One, one of the slave offspring of Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, that rule never made sense to me that guys named Victor get to write all the history. Right, especially if it's Victor Frankenstein. That's why there's so much undead stuff going on in history. Yeah. So well, that's I'm, what I'm going to go with. I'm going to say definitely conspiracy because uh, not only does it fit the exact textbook definition of a conspiracy, uh, where was Burr on 11-22-63? We never answered it. Drop it. He was drinking a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> he was drinking a Dr. Pepsi. Which is, yeah. uh, which, well, it's a mixture. A deal for Studebaker. It's a mixture of 100% Dr. Pepper and 0% Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> Shake it, baby. What was Dr. Slice? That was Dr. Pepper and, and orange slice soda, right? Good God. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. It's kind of a controversy. He only had his side D. He didn't have his actual PhD. Right. <sighs> Dr. Pepper. Now that's a conspiracy. Yeah, we gotta tackle that one in the next episode. This is the tale of Aaron Burr, tragic as you ever heard. Power was all he ever yearned. But he was too vengeful, and he never learned. And he never learned. Born in New Jersey, he went to school early. At 13, he was in Princeton University studying theology. He joined the Weak Society, and eventually he joined the Continental Army. It was 1775 when he first changed lives, wrote to Colonel and struggled to survive. At the Valley Forge, he commanded the Gulf, suffered East Rogue himself, and with time put his medals on the shelf. Hey guys, we have some great fans. We have some fans that went on iTunes and gave us reviews. Do you know that we are up to 14 reviews on iTunes? Man, I think that's a new iTunes record. That is, I think it's a new iTunes record. Um, but 14, you know what's better than 14? Uh, is, is that a rhetorical question, Brian? 14 is the highest number. <laughs> yeah. No, let's try, fans out there, we have some great fans who have done reviews to, uh, for us. Only one of them is Lee's girlfriend. <laughs> okay. But to be fair, they were all Lee's girlfriend at some point. Only right. one, of, only one of them is Lee's current girlfriend. Right, right. Even Garth. Garth, I'm sorry. <laughs> Things didn't work out, but I still love you. Oh, man. Um, Good old sweet penis Garth. Let, let, we've got, we got listeners out there. Let's get, uh, let's get to 20, huh? Yeah. Let's try to yes. get to 20 reviews. That would be insane. Yeah, we're not doing a pledge drive where we ask you for money. We don't want your money. Mm-hmm. We just want your iTunes ratings. I iTunes want Leonard rating. Moulton to give us five stars because... Yeah. Leonard Malton is like America's most prolific star giver, so I would really like to get one. But he gives everything five. five he gives everything five stars. It's like it doesn't even mean anything anymore. He's also America's most prolific star fucker. <laughs> so let's also invite him to the show so he can oh, fuck man. us. Man, we're made if we get fucked by Leonard Malton. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So please, everybody out there, if you haven't given us a review, it's not that hard. You just tick the how many stars and then you say wow what a great show some of our reviewers have been incredibly clever and we're really thankful for that but everything helps because it helps us get noticed by other people who might not have heard of us on itunes and and it really really helps and we really appreciate it yeah 
Another thing you can do is call our hotline. Did you guys know that we have a hotline? A hotline. Tell us more about it. (laughs) We have a hotline. uh, And it's basically anybody can call up uh, the hotline, tell us what you thought of the show. You can tell us what kind of uh, shows you want us to do in the future. If it's one like today where we couldn't really solve the case, you might offer your own theories. And the number is, I just pulled it up. Mm, or or did I? One eight hundred ninety four Jenny. No, our hotline is four one three two two five nineteen sixty three. Four one three two two five nineteen sixty three. And if you call that, it's you just can leave us a brief message. And guess what, guys? We got our first message. Yes. Well, we got our first Play of it. of dozens, but we well we, we got our we first only have time to that play we, one of them. So. Yeah, we got our first that we can play on this family podcast. Right, exactly. We we got the first one that wasn't talking about how big Jeans Dingus is. Yeah, and we got right, a lot exactly. of racist anti-Obama tirades from Brian's grandfather. From Lee. Yeah, from Brian's grandfather, exactly. Reporting live from a Percos. Yeah. Man, uh, Reporting live from the truth. So I'm not, <laughs> I, 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 am, I am not saying this uh, to get sympathy. It's just kind of funny to me. Uh, my grandmother recently passed away, and oh. she, she was married to that racist guy. And oh. it's honestly like <laughs> the the day before she passed away, he sent me a rape joke about Obama. <laughs> and then the day she did pass away, he wrote me a conspiracy email about how George Soros uh, controls um, uh, progressive insurance. Man, the greatest generation, huh, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, he doesn't stop for any reason. Um, but yeah, no. So we got, we got a, we got a call. So uh, everybody, uh, listen up. Hey guys, this is Dan from Arkansas. I love the show. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, as far as ideas for future shows, um, in honor of my deceased grandfather, who worked in a water treatment plant for. 30 years, I'm going to have to go with uh, a request for the conspiracy theory on water fluoridation and uh, what uh, what it may be, perhaps the New World Order trying to control us and make us submissive to uh, the, their secret world government. Uh, love to hear you guys riff on that one for, for an hour or so. Uh, like I say, keep up the good work and uh, thanks a lot. Oh, thanks, Dan from Arkansas. How, how great was that? Yeah, I like how he only wants us to go riff for like an hour or so. He's because like after an hour or so, he turns his crap off. Even even our number one fan, Dan from Arkansas, has his limits. Yeah, even Dan from Arkansas didn't listen to the full hour and a half show on Jack the Ripper. He cut out after victim three. He cut out. Oh, oh, hey, what a burr. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Dan from Arkansas, I don't know if you follow us on Twitter, at InsideJobsCast, but when I was recently in San Francisco, I went to a coffee shop and I came out and there was a sticker uh, pasted on a a telephone pole that was like, this one substance has all these in common, lowers your IQ, prohibits production of semen, used by the Nazis. Mountain Dew Code Red. (laughs) Hitler loved that shit. 
<laughs> uh, no, but it was it was a thing like an Infowars thing about um, uh, uh, fluoridation of water, and I don't know that one could be interesting. Yeah, yeah man. I think In- we should do a podcast of uh, or sorry, an episode um, of all mind control, uh, mind control drugs. Not mind control drugs. What am I thinking about? Of, of, uh, yeah, chemtrails, water chemtrails. Yeah, you love talking about chemtrails. I love I love believing in them and exposing the truth behind them. Well, I, mean, I love something... talking about people who talk about chemtrails. Here's here's the thing. I was just in Germany. No chemtrails. Yeah, that's why people have free thinking in Germany. They really do. They're able to and then figure out what. I that I will also edit out because that was horrible. Yeah, probably. And I'll leave it in. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, thank you up? so much to Dan. To Dan from. Oh wait, Gene, are you getting a phone call? Yeah, I'm podcasting right now. I can't talk. <laughs> wow, I'll call you that's right such back. a good way to impress. Is that people. Bill? Is that Bill? Yeah. What's What's up, guys? Why is no one talking? <laughs> is it Is Bill famous? Did I hear that your brother Bill is famous? Um. I mean, in what respect? <laughs> I don't. I don't fans know if he knows of, you. Fra- fans of Drillbit Taylor. Yeah, fans of Drillbit Taylor, and yeah, fans of Drillbit Taylor know who he is. He's in that. Yeah, yeah. Man, Did you see we it? should. No, he oh, doesn't it have for... any Nazi jokes. Well, in you it. said it like, was he in that? <laughs> well, this is like a thing it... of. It's like you know, a thing of note. He's in it for like a minute. They they edited out his part. A lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was, but he is definitely the most famous person in my family. Yeah, yeah, you can look we him should, up on YouTube. Should... He was in a commercial with Seth Green. Uh, no, he's been in multiple commercials. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, someone we should... asked me about this podcast, and I was like trying to pump it up because, and I knew this guy liked like cheesy movies from the eighties, so I was like, oh well, you know, one of the co-hosts, his dad was in the stuff, and they were like, oh, that's really cool, and, and Chud. Chud. And Chud. And then he, yeah, when I said Chud, he was like, oh, yeah. no, I like the stuff. <laughs> wow, he was in the stuff. Eh, Chud. <laughs> wow, sorry, Gene. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, no, we are so thankful for to Dan from Arkansas for calling in. Uh, everybody else should call in, too. It's super easy and just talk for like 30 seconds and tell us anything about the show. Did you like it? Who do you think is handsomest? Yeah, that's what we uh, really want to know. Which one of us do you want to fuck the most? Yeah, after Banger. Lee, after <laughs> after Lee, which one of us do you want to fuck the most? Yeah, after me and Lee, who do you want to fuck the most? Banger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that number again. Get your get your pins ready. Four one three two two five nineteen sixty three, and you can also get in touch with us through Twitter at inside jobs cast you can email us inside jobs cast at gmail.com and if you're in the greater new york metropolitan area you can just go to brian's house i'm basically not up to much <laughs> and if you're comcast you can email my old aol uh, account that i use because i don't want you to email me yeah and if you're todd uh you can call me after the podcast is over and if you're Bill, tell me about that Drillbit Taylor um, sequel they're making where Drillbit Built is spelled with uh, two 
eyes in Drill. <laughs> Man, Bill's got a lot of uh, Owen Wilson anecdotes. <laughs> Man, I literally got two text messages during this show canceling plans with him. <laughs> I'm not up to much, people. That's what you get for planning two things at the same time. That person knew that you were going to betray them. So Brian has a, a special alert on his phone where it's a text message that isn't canceling plans with him. <laughs> uh, it's never happened yeah. <laughs> it's germany canceling their agreement to let you back in their country uh so i i would like to say to our fans thank you so much for listening thank you for so much for uh getting in touch with us and i apologize for letting this show get away from me uh the next time we record i will not be so jet lagged um but i hope you had a good time because i sure did yeah, thanks, Garth and Dan and uh, the other uh, 12, I guess. Doug. Uh, Doug, thanks, Kathy, Doug. Mike. Mike. Sheree. Shout out. Sheree, who's asleep, standing, sitting right next to me. <laughs> Does she even listen to the show? Um, She listens to the part. She listens to my part. She, she lis- she's listening right now, Brian. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back in two weeks. Until then, follow the money. Hail to the king, baby! Hey, guys, can we pause for just a second? I have to run down and pay the cabbie that's dropping off Sheree. Okay. He's been waiting outside for an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.